You're listening to What's New with Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far-off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Spoken Edition of Wired. While You Were Offline, John McEnroe Gets Served by Serena Williams by Graham McMillan. Happy long weekend, friends. How's it going? Feeling rested? After last week, you deserve a break, and that's not even because everything that happened last week was bad. Jay-Z did drop a new album to apologize to Beyonce, and Germany did legalize same-sex marriage after all. It was all just kind of a lot. In other words, it was another seven days on the internet. Convinced you missed something? We'll take our virtual hand and we'll revisit the highlights and the lowlights together. Let us dance through the wreckage of the hopes and dreams of the World Wide Web. First up, John McEnroe got served. So what happened? Well, John McEnroe decided to pass judgment on Serena Serena Williams' tennis skills. It didn't go well for him. What really happened? Turns out Serena Williams is as good at serving shade as she is serving tennis balls. Serena tweeted, Dear John, I adore and respect you, but please, please keep me out of your statements that are not factually based. Followed by, I've never played anyone ranked there, nor do I have time. Respect me and my privacy as I'm trying to have a baby. Good day, sir. This, you see, is in response to an interview John McEnroe gave to promote his new book, in which he suggested that although he believed Williams was the best female tennis player in history, quote, if she played in the men's circuit, she'd be rated like 700 in the world. Not only were people upset about McEnroe's comments, they were elated by Williams's response. As Julia Clare tweeted, I saw John McEnroe was trending and thought he died, but saw he just insulted Serena Williams, which is arguably worse. And Amadi tweeted, Let John McEnroe win a major while he is literally creating new human life inside his evil body, and then he can talk about Serena Williams. McKenzie and Kenzie tweeted, Misogyny is John McEnroe saying this about Serena Williams, but claiming she couldn't beat a man. Linked to the following quote, McEnroe has praised Williams in the past. When she won Wimbledon in 2015, McEnroe called Serena arguably the greatest athlete of the last hundred years. After Williams's US Open victory in 2012, McEnroe said, You're watching to me the greatest player to ever play the game. Even former tennis greats felt the need to weigh in. 
Christopher Clary tweeted, I had a long chat on many topics with Martina Navratilova. McEnroe's comment on Serena came up. Her view, quote, You just don't go there. You don't go there. You don't go there. There's no need to go there. What the heck were you thinking? It's that you were not thinking, and that's the problem. John has a knack for creating controversy where there is none. He needs to do it on his own dime, not at somebody else's expense. But as the topic picked up steam, McEnroe said he regretted his comments, even though Billie Jean King and others came to his defence, saying that he wasn't so much insulting Williams as simply stating a fact about the difference of physicality between men's and women's tennis. Look, there's only one way to deal with this. We need to get McEnroe and Williams playing against each other at Wimbledon next year. That, or playing together against alien invaders, so that they can come to appreciate each other's strengths and gain a new insight and understanding into the power of teamwork. That'd do as well. Our takeaway from all this? Let's at least all agree that Williams is capable of all kinds of stuff that McEnroe could never manage, okay? Or as David tweeted, just one thing to say to John McEnroe. Serena Williams was pregnant when she won her 23rd Grand Slam tournament. And top that. Our next story, President Trump goes after Morning Joe by talking about Mika Brzezinski's face. So what happened? Well, President Donald Trump's Thursday morning Twitter rant was, well, it was surprising even for an early morning tweet storm. What really happened? Well, by now everyone expects some tweets at dawn from the US president. Folks even know what to expect. Some commentary about what he's watching on Fox and Friends. Some self-aggrandizing. It's almost comforting, except that it's also kind of jarring. While last Thursday, Trump swung for the fences with his missives, starting with, I heard poorly rated Morning Joe speaks badly of me. Don't watch anymore. Then how come low IQ Crazy Mika, along with Psycho Joe, came? Continues. To Mar-a-Lago, three nights in a row around New Year's Eve, and insisted on joining me. She was bleeding badly from a facelift. I said no. Now, for those who like the Trump tweets nonsense as a distraction theory, there's grist for that mill. Thursday was the first day of a Supreme Court-ordered return of the scaled-back travel ban, as well as the rollout of new visa regulations relating to it. Also, the failing Republican health care bill was continuing to threaten to embarrass the president. But we'll get to that later. Nonetheless, this seemed extreme, even for Trump. Mika Brzezinski's response came within 20 minutes and seemed surprisingly restrained, considering she tweeted a picture of a Cheetos box with the logo Made for Little Hands. Don't worry, she had more to come. Others weren't quite so obtuse. Here's MSNBC's head of PR, Mike Kornblau, for example. He tweeted, Never imagined a day when I would think to myself, it is beneath my dignity to respond to the President of the United States. And here's MSNBC's official response, quote, It's a sad day for America when the President spends his time bullying, lying and spewing petty personal attacks instead of doing his job. Not enough? Well, here are some members of Congress, Republican members notably. Lindsey Graham tweeted, Mr. President, your tweet was beneath the office and represents what is wrong with American politics, not the greatness of America. Ben Sass tweeted, please, just stop. This isn't normal and it's beneath the dignity of your office. From Senator Susan Collins, 
This has to stop. We all have a job. Three branches of government and media. We don't have to get along, but we must show respect and civility. And finally, Lynn Jenkins tweeted, This is not okay. As a female in politics, I am often criticised for my looks. We should be working to empower women. Of course, not everyone was impressed by this level of moral outrage from those who had previously supported Trump despite his past behaviour. As Justin Miller tweeted, Spare me the denunciations by anyone who didn't disown Trump permanently after grab them by the pussy. Media Twitter in general seemed to be taken aback by Trump's tweets, although not exactly surprised per se. Brian Butler tweeted, Be courteous to all, said Washington, with malice towards none, said Lincoln. Low IQ crazy Mika was bleeding badly from a facelift, says Trump. And Dan Merica. Ivanka Trump this month. There is a level of viciousness that I was not expecting. I was a little blindsided by on a personal level. Jed Legum tweeted, I've known my father obviously my whole life and he has total respect for women, quoting Ivanka Trump. And from Dan Weigel, who tweeted, If Trump doesn't watch out, key Republicans may pronounce his comments disappointing before donating to his re-elect and voting for him. And Adam Best tweeted, Everybody should watch Morning Joe tomorrow. Let's make sure the show has its best ratings day in a long time. It'll make Trump squirm. And finally, Josh Marshall tweeted, I guess it's coincidence that Trump's attacks on women always involve low intelligence, hysteria and blood. And, of course, the story was a pretty big deal in the media. That said, Trump had his defenders. For example, this came from the office of First Lady Melania Trump, who, you may or may not remember, promised to make a stand against cyberbullying during the election. Quote, As the First Lady has stated publicly in the past, when her husband gets attacked, he will punch back ten times harder. And, of course, the White House stood behind the bully-in-chief. This is a president who fights fire with fire and certainly will not be allowed to be bullied by the media. We said that Brzezinski would have more of a response, right? Well, a day later, she and Morning Joe co-host Joe Scarborough took to the airwaves to respond and also wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post about the whole topic called Donald Trump is not well. It didn't hold much back. Dan Diamond tweeted... Mika and Joe respond to Trump in scathing op-ed that says President is not well and lied about Mar-a-Lago visits. In the op-ed, Mike and Joe raise or invoke nine separate questions about the President's mental health and fitness for office. Diamond then goes on to quote the following from the Washington Post article. We have known Mr. Trump for more than a decade and have some fond memories of our relationship together, but that hasn't stopped us from criticising his abhorrent behaviour or worrying about his fitness. During the height of the 2016 presidential campaign, Joe often listened to Trump staff members complain about their boss's erratic behaviour, including a top campaign official who was as close to the Republican candidate as anyone. We too have noticed a change in his behaviour over the past few years. Perhaps that is why we were neither shocked nor insulted by the President's personal attack. The Donald Trump we knew before the campaign was a flawed character, but one who still seemed capable of keeping his worst instincts in check. As Claire Bartholomew tweeted, Brzezinski and Scarborough in an op-ed, the 45th President is setting the poorest of standards for our children. So maybe the president took this as a sign that perhaps he should take a moment and reflect on things. He tweeted, 
Watched low-rated Morning Joe for first time in long time. Fake news. He called me to stop a National Enquirer article. I said no. Bad show. Yeah, okay, guess not. So the takeaway from all this? Considering the outrage response that Trump's Thursday tweets received from most of the Republican political elite, it's actually weirdly soothing that this tweet from John Favreau seems a little cynical in retrospect. Quote, If you think Trump's tweet was bad, just wait until you hear White House staff, conservative media, and some Republicans defend it. That said, you know, the president is still a guy who said a woman was bleeding badly from the face to humiliate her publicly. So, you know, there's that. Our next story is about Trump's fake news magazine. What happened? Well, President Trump, who often decries fake news, was found to keep fake covers of Time magazine with his face on them at his golfing establishments. So what really happened? Well, wait, if Trump was hitting back at Mika Brzezinski with his offensive tweets, what was he actually hitting back about? Joy Reid tweeted, As a reminder, what Trump felt he simply had to hit back at was Mika Brzezinski joking about the fake Time magazine cover he made. Oh, well, for those who somehow missed this story earlier in the week, it emerged via the Washington Post that a framed copy of Trump magazine that hung in the clubhouses of numerous Trump golf courses internationally was a fake despite the fact that Trump has actually appeared on a number of real covers of the magazine, the one on display was a fake of as-yet-unknown origins. Although David Fahrenholt, the writer of the Post piece, had some ideas. Quote, This 2010 Photoshop tutorial shows how to fake a time cover. It includes a sample barcode, the same code on Trump's fake. Were people amused by this? Why, yes, they were. Josh Comer's tweeted, Trump's been on the cover of more fake Time magazines than any president. And from Michael Blackman, a fake Time magazine with Trump on the cover hangs in his golf clubs? Just wait until Melania finds out he isn't the sexiest man alive. And from Oh No She Twittent, the fact that Trump rails against fake news yet made a fake Time cover is definitive proof that fake just means negative news about him. And Kyle Griffin tweeted, Time has confirmed to NBC News that the company asked the Trump organization to take down the fake magazine cover. And in response to Washington Post, Terence O'Brien tweeted, But Donald Trump, you were already Time's Person of the Year in 2006. No need to fake it, buddy. And he included a copy of the picture of that Person of the Year, a computer screen with the logo You. Yes, you. You control the information age. Welcome to your world. The story went viral quickly, and of course, it was easily parodied. Jerry Connolly tweeted a picture of himself on the cover of Time magazine, saying, Wow, my first cover of Time. Asked my staff to frame this and hang it in all four of my offices. And the New Yorker tweeted today's daily cartoon by John Mavrudis. It's a cover of the New Yorker with a line drawing of Trump edited in red crayon to say, Time, Trump is awesome, so great. And Jennifer Hayden contributed a cover of ESPN Fan Issue with Trump on the front in, you know, that tennis pose, saying, here he is on the cover of ESPN magazine, GOAT! The takeaway from all this, of course, some people just had to make it all about them. Geo Kelly tweeted, I hope Trump's phony time cover doesn't make people question the validity of my appearance on the cover of Sports Illustrated's swimsuit issue. 
Our next story is about the new healthcare bill's biggest surprise. What happened? Well, let's check in on one-sixth of the U.S. economy. How is that going? What really happened? It's been impossible to miss. But last week, the Senate unveiled its health care bill, the officially titled Better Care Reconciliation Act of 2017. Already unpopular at its debut, in large part because of its secretive creation, a Congressional Budget Office scoring of the bill made it even more so, to the point where the vote on the bill was delayed because not enough Republicans could be relied upon to support it. Democrats en masse were primed to vote against it, considering it would take health care away from 22 million Americans. While all this was going on, the repeated question from many was, where is the president during all of this? Health care was one of his signature pledges and supposed to be something he cared deeply about. He even celebrated the passing of the House health care bill with a photo op in the White House Rose Garden. So shouldn't he be standing behind this bill a little more closely? Shouldn't he be trying to get it passed? Well, it turns out he did have something to say about the process, and it was something very strange indeed. CNN tweeted, President Trump says a big surprise is coming re-healthcare, but doesn't elaborate. A surprise? Well, as Trump's weird quasi-promise got reported by media, people asked more questions. Is this real? And who wants a surprise when it comes to healthcare anyway? As Dan Raviv tweeted, We're going to have a grand surprise, POTUS just told reporters during a welcome for the Cubs. A great healthcare package. Oh? And from John Marshall, Trump messaging. When you get your test results back, there might be a big surprise. And from Glenn Fleischman, Trump, there's a big surprise coming. Time passes. Trump, surprise, you're dead. Of course, maybe the reason he was so vague was that reports were already coming in that Trump didn't really know what was actually happening with healthcare reform. Just saying. So our takeaway from this, hey, maybe we're going to get lucky and the surprise will be that the Senate bill will get a second draft that stops stealing healthcare from poor folk to give tax breaks to rich folk, like a bizarro Robin Hood. That's not impossible, right? Right? Well, as Paterico tweeted, prediction, there will be no great surprise. Yeah, that's probably true. And finally, after this message. So what happened? Well, the National Rifle Association has a new message for America. What are the odds it's a call for peace and unity? What really happened? Well, the National Rifle Association released a video. They described it as taking on the violent left. Quote, they use their media to assassinate real news and their celebrities to repeat the false narrative. Well, for those who saw the video and thought, what the hell was that? You're not alone, not even slightly. As Jeff Charlotte tweeted, this new NRA ad is barely a whisper shy of a call for full civil war. And from Michael Whitney, okay, I just watched that NRA video. We're all going to die. And from Samuel Singyangwe, that NRA video is basically the white equivalent of an ISIS recruitment video. Brian Klass tweeted, The NRA just released an ad that is part authoritarian, part incitement to violence, part a call for a civil war. This cannot be our politics. And BB Dissident responded, I'm a cop. This ad, like the entirety of the NRA, puts my life in jeopardy by making my job harder and making me look like one of their toadies. And Ray Mackison responded, This NRA ad is an open call to violence to protect white supremacy. 
If I made a video like this, I'd be in jail. Media also seemed at a loss over the ad, but not everyone was upset by it. Indeed, some people seemed to be watching an entirely different ad altogether, judging by their response. Mike Cernovich tweeted, What video did you watch? NRA ad showcased violence by the left and said our duty was to spread truth. Jay Caruso tweeted, This is horrifying. What? This NRA ad, look. I see leftists committing violence. Exactly. Isn't the NRA terrible? Huh? And Stacey Lennox tweeted, Watch the NRA video. Don't feel like preparing for war. I feel like a few more good guys with guns would have helped in Alexandria. And Eric Bolet tweeted, Gun sales are down now that Barack is taking all your guns. Obama is out of White House. Panicked NRA needs way to juice sales. Followed by, In hysterical ad about dangerous and deadly left, what did NRA omit? Shooting of Representative Scalise? It messes with the narrative that everyone should be armed. I'll take away from this. Well, but really, what's the worst that could happen in response to a call for people who own firearms to use the clenched fist of truth against people who have a different opinion to them? As Jess Burney tweeted, Jesus Christ, I think the NRA just told conservatives to blow my head off. Oh, right, that. Yeah. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.